Welcome to the Mind Matters Podcast. Welcome. I'm uh, thrilled to be here once again, thrilled to be a part of this podcast, something that you know we wanted to, to be a part of a ministry yes. that dealt with uh, mental health, and so I'm very excited to be a part of it. And this is episode three, and this is kind of a second part to um, really a three-part focus on mm-hmm. Christian counseling. Um, we're calling this one Experiencing Christian Counseling, and, and mm-hmm. our goal in this podcast is to provide Christians and non-Christians alike, but to specifically to provide Christians with the encouragement and resources necessary to love God with their minds. That's mm-hmm. our focus. So often in Christian circles, again, we, we don't do a great job of taking care of our minds. No. We, you know, uh, as there's been a sweep of, you know, fitness stuff that's mm-hmm. kind of came across the whole culture, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of in the forefront of our minds. And mm-hmm. I feel like... S- Slowly behind that is coming mental health. Right. And so we just want to be a part of that conversation. Uh, We believe the mind matters. That's why we're calling it the podcast this way. And we believe the mind should be dealt with just like any other part of the makeup of the human condition and the human experience. And they're so, so, so connected. Yes. That's what's so crazy is that we do see this, this, the physical movement of everyone wanting to do exercise and get fitness and and stuff, which is so great. And even by doing that, you're also helping your mental yep, health. Yeah, by, by focusing on on fitness, you are helping mm-hmm. your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of the mind, David came up with a great uh, thing that we've done the first couple uh, podcasts, and we're going to continue to do it. It's what we're calling our mind check. And um, and David, so I'll let you kind of kick us off here about kind of what's been going on the last couple of weeks and how you're doing mentally. Yeah. So for me, the last couple of weeks have been a little rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've had a a mental breakdown actually a couple of weeks ago because things were building up for me with my anxiety, uh, just feeling uh, with the semester stress, uh, with the different work that I had to get done. Um, and whenever I start feeling stressed about one thing, I start feeling stressed about all the things. Yeah, because so, you're getting to the end of your. Uh getting your degree. Yes. And so it's all kind of coming to a head here. Right. Um, Yeah. Coming down with this last month here uh, of the semester. And so with the feelings of, of not doing well there, um, even though I'm doing fine, I'm just worried about, worried about not doing it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I start to then worry about, am I being a good husband? Am I being a good father? And so then I start stressing about all those things. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in the middle of class and I wasn't able to concentrate on anything. And I had to just step out, had to step out and get into my car and I just broke down, uh, started hyperventilating, started weeping. I was just, it was too much for me. Right. And after that happened, the day after, I, I thought that I was okay, but I started having stomach issues. And then later that day, I started to get a fever of 102. Man. And I was like, what is going on? And I just thought I was getting sick, thought it might be COVID. It wasn't. I got tested. But that next day, I started to feel fine. But I still had a fever between 99 and 100. It just kept kind of bouncing right. around there. And I was real, like, real low grade. Yeah. Fever. So it was a low grade fever. And so eventually I, I started to see my counselor and I told him, I was like, hey, I feel fine, but I still have a low grade fever. What is going on? And he was like, that's chronic stress. It's like, what? what's what's chronic stress? <laughs> what? It's like chronic stress is where your body is reacting to what your mind is telling. Your mind is telling you we are on high alert. We have had a breakdown. Right. We've had issues. It's like an aftershock. We're not effect. good. We're not doing good right now. Yes. So it's like an aftershock effect. And so your your body is saying, okay, well, let's on high alert. Is there is there some bacteria we need to kill? Is there some virus right. we need to kill? You know. So the body is on a high temperature, and so it, it's been crazy. It's finally started to go down, but 
what's been crazy Man. is he's even told me to get me, I, I got a little smartwatch for myself and just a little non-expensive smartwatch, um, but something that keeps my heart rate so that I can know if my body's telling me that my heart rate is really high, I know I need to do breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. I need to do something, something. to calm my, my heart down because yeah. I'm having these issues right now and I'm going through yeah. the stress. So what you're saying is you are basically Stanley from the office right now. Because <laughs> yes. after Stanley had a heart attack, yes. he had to get his little... <laughs> device that uh, started beeping when it was too high and every time michael scott came around it went up so we're gonna know (laughs) if it's individuals that are causing you stress david we're all gonna know it now how awkward would that moment be (laughs) someone walks up to me well the good thing uh, is i haven't heard it go off yet since we've been together (laughs) this morning so that's a good thing is that yeah uh, maybe i'm not one of the causes of it (laughs) that would be bad we can't even do the podcast the whole time we're in here just beeping away because i'm (laughs) causing you all this stress well let, well let me ask you this question yeah you know because you're obviously doing better now mm-hmm. and and sometimes when we're in those you know moments whether it's emotional breakdown or a mental breakdown or in depression anxiety whatever it may be that we go through when we come out of it it's always good to look back and yeah. be like what what went wrong where where yeah. was i not taking care of myself so have you had a chance to do that and kind of look back yeah. at that yeah, so I'm, I'm when I'm looking what back you on learned? that. Yeah, I, I mean, I always try to do that is look back and say, what on earth happened? Right. Um, really, what I realized is that I just kind of forgot about Jesus. I just kind of I, I stopped meeting with him regularly. I stopped praying mm-hmm. and talking to him. I'm someone who just loves to talk to Jesus throughout the day. That's just what I always do. And I realized that I started to just forget about him. And I just started looking at all these other stresses in life. And I didn't trust that he was going to take care of it. I didn't trust that he was going to, he's already been through it and he's going to get me through it. He's already made a way. Um, I, I didn't trust him through those issues. But then I do also looking back when I'm at my worst moments, when I just had a constant anxiety, you know, that constant butterfly feel, Yeah. it yeah. never left me for at least a week and a half. And it just was miserable. But in all those moments, I kept talking to Jesus. I kept saying, right. Jesus, what's going on? Right. Like, Lord, help me right now. Yeah. And I could see that he caused me to go through something like that. He allowed that to happen so that I could be brought back to his throne, yeah. his throne of grace, and just be at his feet and say, I need you. So it's almost like you had all this stuff, all this busy stuff that you had to do that you forgot to do the stuff you needed to do. Exactly. Exactly. Right? I like, wasn't taking care of myself. You know you need to spend yeah. time with Jesus yes. just to get your mind right. Yes. And... There's all this other busy stuff that are certainly obligations. Sure. Um, they became the priority rather than them springing from. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, this is a difficult time of year for me as well. Um, the holidays are coming up. Mm. Uh, I know that causes that right there is stressful for, for people. But right. um, for me, I've got a. It's sometimes it can be difficult to navigate mentally and emotionally this time of year, just with all the stuff I have. Mm-hmm. It's not like anything is one thing is like you know, bad that's causing me. Right. It's just stuff, you know, church stuff. Um, my kids are starting basketball now. Mm. Um, my daughter plays in junior high. My son's on the varsity team. I'm actually coaching the varsity team this year. Uh, so this time of year has a potential to cause anxiety to go mm. up, yeah. um, to, to cause my stress to go up. Yeah. Um, and I'm tempted not to take care of myself. Right. Right. I, I'm tempted to just go, 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 and not stop and slow down and take care of myself right. in the midst of all that. And, and you know, for me, part of the problem is, and I'm just being very genuine here, um, I am a three on the Enneagram. And what that mm. means is that if when I'm not 
being healthy when I'm kind of in my flesh, then I do what I do so that you can love and respect me. Yeah. And I want you to see what I'm doing so that you can love and respect me. Mm. And so I have to fight really hard to say, I want to preach this message to love my, the people in my church, Mm. not for them to love me. Right. I want to coach these boys, um, so that they can love the game of basketball and they can learn some very mm. val- valuable life principles and enjoy it, not so they can think I'm the best coach they've had. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's what my flesh wants to do. Right. And so not only with the busyness of it, now I've got, okay, and I'm busy, and i got to make sure that I'm busy doing it the right way right? so that it honors the Lord and it loves right. people and it doesn't become about me, which I can very easily make it in my flesh. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've, I've got those temptations, you know, coming up on me. And the truth is I probably ought to schedule a counseling session so that I yeah. can, uh, you know, <laughs> go and talk through all this and, and get some, some help there as well. Yeah. And speaking of counseling that, you know, it's what we're about in this episode. And we want to talk about what has been our experience in counseling. Mm-hmm. What have we learned as we have gone to Christian counseling? Now, when most people head to counseling for the very first time, they go to counseling in crisis mode. Right. Most people aren't doing really well and then just go, you know what I need to do? I need to go to counseling. (laughs) Most people go to counseling when things are, are not going well. Yes. When something has happened, some experience has happened that has caused some severe, serious issues in their lives and in the moment. That's when they decide, I need to go get some help. Right. right, I need to go to counseling. It's called crisis mode. Most people come to, to counseling in crisis mode, and and in fact, most people actually leave counseling and stop counseling once they're out of crisis mode. They don't continue counseling to keep working on themselves, which right. is a tragedy. But that's the way that most people are. Well, and this was certainly the case for myself. I mean, when I went into counseling, I went at the height of my anxiety. I didn't know. What was going on in my, with my emotions? I didn't know what was going on in my mind. I didn't know what was going on in my body. Mm. And I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know where to go get help. And somebody said, you need to see this counselor. And I went, because um, I just need someone to talk to. Like, yeah. I was struggling, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was bad. Yeah, I mean, and it's something that I've learned in counseling is to, to never underestimate the power of being able to talk to someone who is outside mm. of your friend circles. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And being able to just to talk about anything and everything. Yeah. Having that freedom to just talk about anything and know that you're not being judged by someone who knows someone else that you're talking about. I mean, you right. need someone to talk to that has no deep emotional connections with your friends or relatives and to talk to an unbiased person because they can give an unbiased opinion. Yeah. And I, I think what, so often happens is that we we struggle to be real with people we know because we are either afraid that they're going to look back they're going to look down on us and judge us for whatever we're going through mm. or um how will they view me afterwards you know if i if i tell them all this stuff then what are they going to think of me later right and so what we do is we just keep it bottled up right but counseling gives you an opportunity to just Again, like you said, someone who doesn't have deep emotional connections with your friends and relatives and someone who can just tell you the truth yeah. and hear you out and listen without any fear of judgment or what they're going to think about you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and many times 
I know for myself, you know, some people might think, well, I don't really even know what to talk about necessarily. I know I got problems, but I don't, I don't know what to talk about. Right. There have been many times I've walked in thinking I have nothing to say, mm-hmm. and then I get going on a topic, and it's revealed to me yep. how badly that topic was yep. on my it's mind. It's happened to me too. Yeah, yep. I mean, and, and it's also amazing how many times I've walked into a session with a problem that I know, okay, I need to talk about this thing. I start talking, but, but, but I'm thinking I have no solution to it. But then after just saying it out loud, I figure out the solution. Yeah. I figure out the problem yeah. just by saying it out loud. Yeah. And and most of the time, your counselor doesn't give you the answer to your problems. No. He no. or she will ask questions that will cause you to think about things from a different perspective. Right. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you get the answer to your questions and your problems on your own. Absolutely. Your counselor doesn't really give you all the advice. He's just there to help you think better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. And again, it's why it's so important to, to do that. And so we, we, we want to kind of just share the impacts mm-hmm. that counseling has had on us. The first, the first session I had, again, just talking about getting real, um, the first session I had with my counselor and just, you know, non-disclosure here, David and I both go to the same counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went into this, it was a two hour session and I went into this and for two hours, all I did was pour my heart out. Yeah. I was angry. I was scared. I, I was lost. Like I just, and how old were you when you first started? 36, 37. So you're talking about 36 to 37 years of just letting it all out. Yeah, you're, I talking, mean, you're talking about a built up of 36 to 37 yeah. years. And not There's even, a lot to talk about. And not even at this point really knowing what was wrong with me. Right. Like what right. is happening to me? And that was where the scared part came in. Like what is happening to me? Yeah. There's only two things I remember for that first session. Because um, I was such in crisis mode, I couldn't process anything. So mm. he may have said some things to me. I, no clue. No, I don't remember <laughs> any of it. Um, but there's two things I remember. One is after the session was over with, he took me to a painting in the hallway and it was a, a picture of 99 sheep and a shepherd Hmm. off in a field. And then the close up was of one sheep wrapped up in some kind of fencing and wiring. It was like trapped and had this, it was looking back at the shepherd, but it had this panic look on its face Mm. but if you looked really closely the reflection in the eye of the sheep had a cross oh nice and it was a reminder that i know you feel lost right now and i know you feel like you know god's really far away but the shepherd's coming yeah he's gonna get you everything's gonna be all right that's good the other thing that i remember from this i'm about to get really real 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 (laughs) i uh poured my heart out for two hours and he very lovingly, with being soft-spoken, he very lovingly looked at me and just said, you're going to be all right. Things are going to get better here. Mm. My response was to raise my voice, and in anger and fear and all of that, all those emotions that I had wrapped up, I said, how the hell do you know that? <laughs> uh, he calmly responded by saying, because you're here. Wow. Um, I did not know exactly what that meant entirely. I do now. Now mm. I know what that means. I didn't at the time. Mm. Um, and that leads me to the first major impact that counseling had for me. It taught me to know myself. 
He meant the reason why you're going to get better is because you're here to work on yourself. Yeah. You're here to get to know yourself better. The mm. ancient Greek philosophy um, of knowing thyself has been around for a very, very long time, um, going back to the days of Socrates and those guys. And, and it's meant different things to different people, and mm. they've used it different ways in literature. But for me, I didn't know why I thought certain ways about certain things. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't know what motivated me. I didn't know what caused me fear. Um, I'm embarrassed to say that there were areas of my life where my thought processes weren't even checked. Like I didn't even ask myself, is that rational, logical, good for me? Like I didn't even ask myself. Yeah. And what's crazy is that in a lot of areas of my life, I'm very rational and logical and a, a good problem solver uh, and can organize things and structure mm. things properly. And then there was other areas of my life where it was just a free for all of emotions and fears and, and had no clue what to do with that and, and didn't do anything with it. And so for me, I didn't really know why I was the way I was and if the way I was, was even good for me. So Mm. counseling enabled me to look back into my life, look at what made me, me, Mm. you know, 37 years old. Why are you the way you are today? Right. And then ask the question, are there things that need to change? Are there errors in your thinking, errors Mm. in your behavior that need to change so that you can be better? It's been a long process of getting to know myself, but I can honestly say I know better now when my body is getting anxious. Um, I, I found out that what my body does is it, it raises my anxiety level and then doesn't have the, it doesn't produce what it needs to produce to bring it down. Mm. So I've gotten medicine for that. Um, I'm aware now better of how I'm feeling. Uh, I'm Mm. aware now of, I do a better job of understanding. Am I thinking rationally? Am I thinking logically? Am I stressed? Am I scared? Am I anxious? How does my body feel? You know, one of the things I'll do, David, is I'll, Sometimes I'll be studying, right? So I'll be sitting at my desk. I got books open. I've got my computer there. I'm I'm working on stuff and I'll just stop and Mm. I'll say, and I'll just kind of freeze my body wherever it's at. And I'll take an assessment of my body posture. Mm. And so many times I I will notice my shoulders are up. My shoulders and my neck are tense. I may even have one of my hands gripped. Um, and, and, And it's making an assessment, being aware. Okay, here's how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling worked up. Uh, and, I, and I never would do that before, ever. For 37 years, I never asked myself, how am I feeling today? Right. I would just feel the way I felt, and I would just go with it. Uh, yeah. And I would think about the way that I was thinking, and I would think about that and not think about it. And I think I would think about that and not think about <laughs> it. I would think about those issues and not think about whether or not the way I was thinking was right. Yes, yeah. I think the hardest thing for people to do is to be self-aware. Yes. The easiest thing is to be aware of everybody else. Right. So-and-so, oh, that, you know, that person's a jerk. That person's rude. That person, whatever. It's very difficult to be self-aware. One of the very first thing and probably the most major thing that happened to me through counseling, through my counseling experience, is I became more self-aware. And for me, that was absolutely huge. It was just huge. Yeah. I mean, same here. For for me, it has revealed so much about myself 
that I never would have seen on my own. Mm -hmm. It helped me be aware of why I do what I do yep. and what's going on with my body. Uh, for instance, like I said, I found out I had chronic stress and I, I never even heard of that before. Right. But now I know that because my mind has been under a lot of stress, it puts my body on high alert and I need to watch my heart rate and make sure that I do breathing exercises yep. to keep calm. If it starts going too high to avoid another breakdown. So it's a preventative work and there's so much of that in therapy. Right. Uh, also, another thing is, why is it that sometimes when I go into a room, I start feeling anxiety? It's mm. a room that I've been in before, and I had anxiety in there, but I'm thinking, why am I feeling anxiety now? Because that problem's not there anymore, so what's going on? Well, it's because my brain is telling me, it's saying, hey, this was a room where we felt danger before, mm -hmm. so there must still be danger now. Let's be on high alert. I, I, I had only bad memories in these rooms. And so then what I have to do is I have to create good memories by starting to have good experiences in those rooms. And then that's what starts going away. But before counseling, you would walk into that room again, get anxious again, and never even try to process yeah. why you felt that way. It would yeah. just want to be get out of this situation immediately. I probably wouldn't even apply it to the room. I probably would just be like, I don't even know why I'm feeling this way. This is so random. And I just, yeah, I would just want to leave. Right, and freak out and exactly. get out of there. Yeah, and had, I mean, yeah, yeah. because like for me, that's what happened with my preaching. Um, I would get anxious when I preached because of the past times I was anxious. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started creating new good memories of preaching where I was successful and I enjoyed it and all these other things, the anxiety started to go away. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. I, when I was um, the beginning of my counseling, mornings were really bad for me. Yeah. Um, I've learned that for anxious people, mornings are the worst. Exactly. And for depressed people, evenings are the worst. Or, right. you know, nights are the worst. Right. And so um, they, were, they were rough for me. Mornings were rough. And um, I would, for some reason, my mind linked my morning anxiety with my shower. Hmm. And, and so I would get in the shower and I would be worried about, okay, am I going to get anxious here in the shower? Um, I've been anxious. I got, I've been anxious before in the shower. Am I, is that going to happen again? Hmm. So I was sharing this with my counselor and my counselor said, well, um, do you get anxious when you're naked other times? I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's like, well, why did your brain grab a hold of the shower and not being naked? Hmm. And he was like, your brain just grabbed a hold of something. Like he didn't know why. It just grabbed a hold of that. Right. And, and becoming aware that that's ridiculous, right? That right. the shower doesn't cause me the anxiety. You know right. what I mean? But right. being aware of that was so important for helping me, um, you know, function better. Yeah. It's, you know, cra the it's crazy what the brain links. Right. It links together the situations and the experiences you have. Just links little things here and there. And you got to be aware of that. And a lot of times there's no rhyme or reason to it. Right. And you got to be aware of whether or not that's rhyme or reason. And I, and neither sounds like neither one of us were until counseling came in, in, exactly. the, in the picture. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and also right now I'm going through the group sessions of DBT, the dialectical behavior therapy. This is to help me deal with my borderline personality disorder. And one of the main focuses of this therapy is talking to yourself and mm. working with yourself to think more rationally. Right. It's, about, it, it's about learning to accept the situations as they are and understand which are the situations that I can change and how to accept the situations that I can't. Because that's when I get the most upset is when I'm in a situation and I can't change it. I'm not want, willing to accept it. So right. therefore, I start, to, I start to throw basically an adult tantrum in mm -hmm. my head where I'm just, I'm just angry. And I'm just like, this is, this is dumb. I don't like this. And until I come to the rationality of I need to just accept that this is 
this is a reality, this situation. Right. I can't change it. I need to accept it and move on in life. Until I'm able to do that, I'm just going to keep living in my little lack of reality. Right. And I'm not going to be functioning well. But I would have never have known to really think that deeply if I wasn't going through these therapy sessions. Yeah. And so these are just a few examples of the tools that I've learned and the insights about myself that I've received through counseling. Yeah. And let's 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 talk about that word that you just mentioned, tools. Yeah. Let's go there next and talk about the tools that we gain from Christian counseling. Going into counseling, um, I had no tools. Like, I had no weapons yeah. um, to use for anything that was happening to me. Anything that I was thinking, anything that I was feeling, no tools whatsoever to deal with yeah, it. Same. Even after I figured out what was going on with me, right? Even, okay, I become self aware. I become aware of my feelings and aware of my emotions and aware of whether I'm thinking rationally or logically or anything like that. I still didn't know how to help fix myself. Like, it's one thing to know what the problem is. It's a whole other thing to be able to fix the problem. Right. I found out what the problem was. Then I had no tools to be able to fix the problem and keep myself healthy. So counseling for me became a means to gather tools that I needed to handle things that I was going through. Hmm. And I love that term tools. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a really good word and I want to use it on purpose because it's a visual for me. It helps me anyway. Um, I I think of an empty toolbox sitting beside me. And if I had a project that I needed to get done, um, something that I needed to fix or build now, make no mistake about it. I am not a guy who is good with his hands. I don't build things. I don't fix things. Um, my wife's really good at that. (laughs) Not me. Um, but if something's broken or needs to get fixed, and you see it, right? Okay, here's mm-hmm. this thing that's broken. It needs to get fixed. Now let me go get my tools that I need to fix this. And you've got no tools in the toolbox to fix that. That thing's not getting fixed. Mm-hmm. Even though you can recognize it's broken. Right. It's not getting fixed. I have been told by my wife and others that if you just have the right tools, you can fix anything. Right? Yeah. That's what I've been told. Yeah. And if you apply it to, to counseling and mental health, the truth is, is if you've got the right tools in your toolbox, that will go a long way to your to help with your mental health yeah a long way absolutely um counseling for me began filling up that toolbox with things i can use to help myself Mm. let me give you some examples you mentioned the uh what was it the dialectical behavior Mm. therapy yes so i i did not know what that was um i've never gone through i think the official therapy for that But one thing that my counselor and I figured out is that I am a verbal person and I needed to verbalize what was in my mind in order to process it. When it was just in my mind, it was like it was just bouncing around, not being processed. Right. Like it was just in there, bouncing around, scary stuff. What I do with it, it's just there. <laughs> Talking it out, speaking about it, helped me analyze it. Help yes. me process it. Now, at first, I had to go to Jessica with a lot of stuff. Like, I would go to her and be like, here's what I'm thinking and feeling. And to be truthful, there were times where she just laughed at me. Yeah. She's like, that is the most <laughs> irrational thing I've ever heard. That yes. doesn't happen, and it can't happen, and it won't happen. Um, and I'd be, here. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I would be, I'd, and I was, I was glad she laughed because I'm like, yes. okay, good. That, that yes. makes me feel better. This is stupid. But um, I got to the place where I didn't have to go 
to Jessica, I could just verbalize it out. Like I could just mm. speak it to the Lord. Lord, here's how I'm feeling. Here's how I'm thinking. And it's that, it, it's that understanding myself that I need to speak these things out loud in order to process them. Yeah. I won't process them unless I say them. Another thing that I would do is uh, breathing exercises. You mentioned these earlier, but breathing exercises were so important to me. I had no clue the importance of when you're stressed, when you're worried, when you're anxious, stopping everything you're doing and just taking time to breathe right? and relax. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, and a little, a little uh, freebie on how to on, on those breathing exercises. If you, just, if you just focus on something or even close your eyes, and then you start breathing in for five seconds, hold for five seconds, and then exhale for five seconds. Doing that just a few times, that can help so much. Just bring oxygen to your brain yep. and help you think and function much better again. So that was just a little freebie. Yeah, a little free, a little freebie from David. <laughs> um, Doctor David gave you a freebie. Oh, no, <laughs> no. So, but one of the things I do, you talk about focusing on an object. Um, this works for me, and it was trial and error. You know, like what mm-hmm. really works best for me. I like to lay down on the floor and I like to picture myself being very tense. And mm-hmm. most of the time I am, if I'm doing breathing exercises, I am tense. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I even tense my body body up on purpose before I start my breathing exercises. And so I'll tense my body up and I'll get real, real tense. And then what I'll do is I'll breathe in for five seconds. I'll hold it. And then as I exhale, I imagine all of the stress and tension leaving my body and my body getting heavier and heavier and heavier. It's mm. just sinking into the ground yeah. where I'm just getting so relaxed that, you know, the people that are relaxed are, are harder to carry, right? right. It's like that, that dead right. weight or whatever. Right. And so I'm just picturing myself getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And, mm. and it's amazing. Like I'll do it for 10 minutes and I'll get up and you're like, Oh, I just feel so relaxed now. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's crazy what breathing exercises can do. What oxygen it's amazing that oxygen is good for the body. <laughs> <laughs> what? But so often we, we don't realize that we're not doing it. Right. Another thing that, um, another tool that I got were daily, weekly, monthly, yearly sabbaticals, like taking a break from whatever it is. And sometimes mm-hmm. that break will be breathing exercises, but I, every single day of my life, I try to have a sabbatical, mm. um, 30 minutes maybe where I just go and breathe. I read a fiction book where I can kind of escape anything that I'm worried about. Um, Go shoot some baskets in the gym. Uh, Just something where I can get my mind off of whatever it is that's causing me stress and anxiety and I can just relax. Right. And I, and on, I do it weekly on Fridays until noon. I do nothing. Most of the time, I don't even get out of bed until mm. noon on Fridays. Um, and people are like, oh, there's so much to do. How can you do that? That's the point. Yeah. The point is, yeah. I don't do anything. And unless there's a rare occasion that I have to do something. But on most days, on Friday, that's my day off. And I'm not doing anything till noon. Uh, another thing is just the tool of knowledge. Knowing how humanity works um, knowing what, how the brain fires off synapses, yes. knowing um, what those neural pathways are and yes. how they're created and how you create new ones. Just the knowledge of the human condition, how God has made me, how my brain works, how things function, um, has been such a tool for me to be able to process and analyze myself. Mm. 
And and once my toolbox began to get filled up, and those are just some examples. I mean, there's so many tools, right. but once my toolbox began to get filled up, the better success I had with dealing with my anxiety and my issues. Yeah. So I would go, I would get a new tool, the toolbox would get a little bit heavier for that day, and now I've got more stuff I can go to to help with the issues that yeah. I would have. And um, now, when things come up in my life, I'm able to know myself, so more self-aware, here's how I'm feeling, here's yeah. what I'm thinking, here's the issue. Now I can reach in the toolbox and use the proper tool to help with that certain issue and that certain situation that I'm in so that my mental health can be better than it was before I was self-aware and had no tools. Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned that earlier when you were saying that you understand that you might be going into a season, you might be going into right. a struggle that's going to be difficult for you. You were aware of that. And the right. fact that I mean, you were brought up to be aware of that through counseling. Yeah. And so the fact that you know that I, I got some triggers that might be coming up, I right. need to be careful. I need to be cautious right. and take care of myself. That's huge. Yeah. And what tools do I have to be able to do accomplish that? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, also for counseling, like the number one tool that we have is Jesus. Absolutely. Obviously. Um, and Absolutely. I, and I talk about theology a lot in my sessions because it infiltrates everything to give me hope and to love better. Right. Um, I mean, I'm talking to a brother in Christ, my counselor, uh, who brings me hope and encouragement. And so I know that in those times that I'm, I'm under that, that deep stress, like I talked about in the beginning of with my heart check or with my mind check, um, was saying how I need, I'm, I need to talk to Jesus. I need to make sure that I am daily talking to Jesus. And even in those moments where I'm at the height of my anxiety, I can cry out to him and say, I, I need you in this moment. And, and mm -hmm. to be able to talk to him is so healthy. And, and we may not think of that as a tool necessarily, but it really is. Absolutely. It really is something that you can use through prayer. Prayer is just so important and powerful in our lives. And, and so, it, and isn't David, isn't it the case that the reason why we want to be, and this is, we've said this on the podcast, we will say it over and over again until we don't do this podcast anymore. We are trying to get, healthier mentally so we can love God better with our minds. Yes. So that exactly. we can look more like Jesus. Exactly. That's the goal of this whole thing. Yes. It's not just so we can be mentally healthy. It's so I, it's a means to an end, right? I want to glorify God better. I want to exalt Jesus right. better. And I can do that by being more mentally healthy. And, and so that tool of being able to go to Jesus with these issues is, is huge. Yeah. It's and so, so with important. these tools that my counselor has given me, I mean, I'm able to look more like Christ right. with the way that I think and with the way that I treat and love others. Right. I mean, and, and also it just, it, it gives me more insight. I'm not saying I'm super wise or anything, right. but I'm simply saying it causes you, it counseling causes you to exercise your brain muscles mm -hmm. so that you begin to process things differently and you learn to soak things in much more than you did before. Right. Right. And, and I'll, and I'll say this, looking, speaking about looking more like Jesus, the, the better I am mentally, the better I am at loving other people. Absolutely. The better I can minister to other people. Yes. Um, and the better I can counsel other people. Yes. And, um, let's talk about that next, how counseling has helped us help others. Counseling is not just for you. Right. It's just, it's not just to make you better. Yeah. As we mentioned just a moment ago, it is to be able to love Jesus better, to exalt right. Jesus better. Right. It's also to love other people. Um, the healthier that I get mentally, the better 
husband I am. Yes. The better father I am, the better friend I am, the better pastor I am. Mm. And, and I did not think about that aspect um, going into counseling. But it's just how God works. By going to counseling, I become a better counselor. Right. <laughs> right? I, I'm able to relate to my wife better. I'm yes. able to counsel her better and love her better. I'm under, a, able to understand what's going on with my kids in a way that I didn't before. I'm like, ooh, that's why he's doing that, or that's why right. she's doing that. Right. Um, it's allowed me to be able to counsel people that I love so much in a better way. And of course, being a pastor, one of the roles of pastor is as a pastor as counselor, mm-hmm. uh, not in a professional sense, but in a, in a in a real sense, nonetheless. And by watching my counselor work with me, by seeing his approach to loving me and ministering to me, it has helped me so much in the way I relate to other people who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it causes you to have more empathy for them. Yes. It causes you to have more understanding for them. So yes. if they're coming at you, even if they're upset and they start accusing you of things, you can start to sense, I'm not the real problem here. Right. There's something deeper going on. They're, right. they're just deflecting. They don't know what else to do. And so you start to go, you dive deeply into that. But yeah. if you're not going to have patience with them, you're never going to dive deeper. Right. You're just going to re- fire right back. Absolutely. And it's just going to be fires back and forth, but that's not helping anything. Yeah. So if you're able to stay calm and just say, now, is that really, am I really the issue right now? Or mm-hmm. is there something else going on in your life? And you can start digging into right. that and peeling that onion back to see what is really going on with all those layers. Yeah, my, my counselor told me, um, after I got out of crisis mode, my counselor told me that the more I become aware of myself, the more I will see a, a unhealthiness in other people. Yes. And boy, is that the case. Yes. Uh, and I don't say that so that you freak out every time you're around me. You're like, oh, is Neil wondering how <laughs> unhealthy I am? Um, it really gives us patience, right? Right, because it allows us to see that people are really hurting. Yes, people are really broken. People have real issues, mm. and you're able to see those in other people. And it allows you, once you see those, to be able to help better. Yeah, I can honestly say that counseling for me has helped me love people better, help them more efficiently, more effectively. Uh, there's this saying that I, I don't remember where I heard it originally, but I say it all the time. Hurting people hurt people. Yes. If, you oh, are, so if you're broken and you're hurting and you're not getting healthier, you're going to hurt everybody around you. Yes. Um, I, I just read in a tweet uh, today, actually, uh, from a, a pastor who's been doing marriage counseling for 20 years. And he said he has come to realize the problem is never marriage. The mm. problem is the two people who are hurting and broken and have baggage that they bring into the marriage. Yes. It's not the marriage itself. That's right. the problem. Right. It's the people bring what you're bringing into right. it. Right. Hurting people hurt people. Right. And so, so, so leaving that marriage, that's not going to solve the problem. No, it, that because that's not the problem. The problem is your own baggage right. and their own baggage. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, you can think, Oh, I'll get into this marriage and everything will be better. Right. No, no. The problem is no. not the marriage. Cause it follows you. Right. Yeah. You're <laughs> you still, you're yourself. still going to be hurting. Yes. And and you're all you're doing now is just hurting somebody you live with. Yes. But the opposite is also true. People who are getting healthier can help others get healthier. Absolutely. So hurting people hurt people, but people who are getting healthy can help people yes. get healthier. Absolutely. And and that is certainly what I have found in my case. My experience in counseling has helped me be able to help other people better. Yes. I'm a better listener in counseling sessions. I'm able to 
um, kind of probe a little bit better to get at what you're saying, like the, the root of what the real issue is. Mm-hmm. And there, there's so much that I can say about this, but, but I just want you to take away from understand what I've taken away from counseling. Yeah. It's that hurting people hurt people. And if I can get healthier, if I can get better, then I can help other people get healthier and get better. Right. Because really what you're talking about right now is gaining emotional intelligence. And and yes. what, and that's one of the hardest things for me to do right now. And some of you may be listening saying emotional intelligence, what exactly what is, is that? that? Yeah. It's something I've only learned in the last year or so. But it, it, by definition, it is the ability to perceive, use, understand, manage and handle emotions. Right. So it's about, sum that up, it's about handling emotions properly. Mm -hmm. So let me give a few examples like that that I thought of. Uh, The ability to be happy for someone when they're happy, even if you're having a bad day. Absolutely. How loving is that? Yes, that's so loving to say, you know what? I, I got some, I got things going on with me right now, but this person's so happy. I'm not going to bring them down. Right. I, I want to just talk with them. I want, I want to f- rejoice with them. Right. Uh, another thing is righteous anger, righteous anger. That's, yes. That can be and one. Not, yeah. To not, and, and to have a righteous anger and not apathy when you see an injustice. Right. Yeah. yeah so if you see something going wrong, you, you have an emotion yeah. towards it. That's a righteous anger. That's mm-hmm. not a bad thing to have. Right, you uh, should be mad and angry at injustice. Right, exactly. But you shouldn't be mad and angry when your kid makes a mistake. Right, exactly. There's a difference there, and being able to process when I should be angry and when I shouldn't be angry. Yes. My kid spills milk. Do I get angry about that, that they made a mistake? Right. Um, someone is abused. Yes, I do get angry about that. And yes. having the emotional intelligence to be able to recognize the, the difference between that will help you love people in both those situations properly. Yes. Another one is to have empathy and mourn with those who are hurting. Mm-hmm. To be able to feel what they're feeling and say, I'm with you in this. I, I am engaging into this. That can be huge for someone. Yeah. Um, that, could, that could just be so huge. And, and I'd say the hardest one, the last one that I thought of that's the hardest one for me is self-control when someone is wronging you or insulting you. Mm-hmm. And, and just being able to calmly, like what we talked about, when, when someone may insult me, I, I, what I need to think is I may be the, I may be the actual problem, but more right. than likely, I'm not actually the problem. There's something deeper going on, and the last thing that I need to do is to fire back and insult and myself. And defend yourself. And defend myself and whatever. I need to get into something deeper. I mean, yeah. I, I think of plenty of times that, you know, in our friendship, um, I have got emotional and I have said, you know, I, I feel this way. Um, I feel like there's some injustice towards me or something like that. And you, you just tell me, hey, brother, I know how you're feeling. And, and I don't think that you would agree with yourself if you were calm right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and you were just loving me through it and talking me through it and saying, uh, but I validate your emotions. Right. And that was always so huge for me is when right. you validated my emotions. And then I would come back to you and say, you know, I really see where I was wrong there. You know, right. Brother, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. and, that's, and that's, we that's all do that. Sense. Yes. We, I all, mean, do we that. all do that. And, you know, I've been married for 20 years and, and I was really bad at not defending myself for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and I still fall into the, to the temptation to do it. Mm-hmm. When Jessica would come to me and she would say, Neil, and whatever it is. I would immediately want to defend myself. Yes. And I would not validate how she felt about the situation. I would just defend myself. And what I learned that, that that's so unproductive, it's not valuing my wife. Right. And it's not loving her properly. And it's not even honestly engaging in the situation. Right. That's actually in front of me. Right. And so helping me getting help in counseling 
has helped me help people. And for, for you, that, what you just said about emotional intelligence is so important. The better, the more we get uh, intelligent about our emotions, the better we're going to be able to counsel people mm-hmm. and help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably one of the, the main goals of counseling Absolutely. is for us to get more intelligent emotionally. Yes. To develop, so crucial. to develop that in our lives. Uh, and what's so funny is, from a Christian perspective, you're going to counseling not as an end, as a means to an end. Mm. Um, and that's really, really important right. uh, t- to remember. Now, we're doing these episodes on Christian counseling. You're like, why are we starting off your podcast right at the top doing three episodes on Christian counseling? Because we got one more. And Lord willing, we're going to have a special guest with us in that yes. podcast. But um, we're doing this to try to destroy the stigma or the fears that many may carry with them about going to see a counselor. Right. People don't want to go to therapy because they have these unfounded fears or this anxiety or there's this stigma that's attached to it. And we want to break that down. Mm. We want to make this normal and good and rewarding and beneficial. So please, if you are scared or if you have questions about counseling, reach out to us. Reach out to us mm. through social media. Yes. Reach out to us if you know us personally. Um, we want to be a resource for you. Right. We may not be able to help you ourselves, but we will be able to get you where you need to go to get the help. Yes. Right? So, so please use us, right? You are worth investing in your mental health. Mm. You are an image bearer of God. If you are a Christian, you have been bought by the blood of Jesus. You have been brought into his fold, into his kingdom. Yes. He wants you to be mentally healthy. Amen. And you are worth spending the time, the money maybe, on your mental health Yes, so that you can uh, glorify God better and you can love other people better. And, and I'll say this real quick, because I, I know when you mentioned about finances and the money, like I know that a lot of counselors don't take insurances. A lot of that issue that, that could cause you to say, I can't go. It has been amazing for my own testimony how many times the Lord provided money and provided for me to be able to go to counseling. Right. There were times where I was like, I don't know if I can keep going. I guess I need to stop. And then something, money comes out of somewhere. And it's just like, oh my gosh, the Lord provides because he wants you to get help. Right. And it is important to seek help. Yeah. So, so, don't, so don't let that stop you. Right. The, the Lord will provide. Yeah. And let, let me say it again. You are worth it. Amen. You are worth it. So thanks for sticking around with us through this podcast. If you missed the last one, please go back and listen to previous yes. podcasts. Um, this podcast is a part of a, a network we're trying to get started. Uh, yeah. Calvary Hill Baptist Church. We're trying to get a Calvary Hill Network and podcast started. Go check out the Outsiders podcast hosted by myself yeah. and one of our other pastors, Tyler France. Uh, share all this stuff. Like it. Subscribe. Review. Uh, get the word out. We just want to be a help and a blessing to people the best we can. So thanks for sticking around uh, for this podcast, and we will catch you next time.